This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today is February 1st, 2023, and our first story, Joe Biden's home has been raided by the FBI once again. And the funny thing is the media says it was a planned search, just a planned search. But Donald Trump, that was an FBI raid. They're trying to claim that because Biden was cooperating, it's a search. But it turns out he wasn't so cooperative and information was being withheld. The National Archives were barred from revealing the raid even took place right before the midterms. In our next story, Elon Musk locked his own Twitter account. The platform is broken. And so everybody's locking their accounts because they think it makes them more visible, but uh, it doesn't. It locks your account. And then I opine rather ignorantly, admittedly, on the Alex Murdoch case. I was just reading it and I just felt like talking about what I was reading. So I probably got a lot wrong. You may know more than more than I do on this one, but it's interesting to check out this story. Nonetheless, if you like the show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. The sitting president of these United States has now had his home and office searched several times. The latest news coming out today that the DOJ has raided the home of Biden in Rehoboth. Now, of course, you can see here on the screen, Daily Caller says DOJ searches Biden's Delaware home for a second time. Funny, when they searched Donald Trump's home, they called it a raid. The FBI raids Donald Trump, but Joe Biden's just been searched several times. Not playing it. Joe Biden got raided. Now, they didn't find any of the documents that they were looking for, or maybe it was a fishing expedition, but it really does feel like they don't want this guy running in 2024. Seems like his prospect for 2024 may be in the gutter yet for some reason over at Predict It, the prediction markets, people are increasing the odds that Joe Biden will be the nominee for the Democratic Party. Fine. He may not actually win. An ex-Clinton advisor said that this is Joe Biden's done. I mean, this document scandal is big and it's only getting worse. Now, today, you know, I'm doing my thing and I see the news and they're like breaking. The DOJ is once again searching Biden's home. Yeah. Objectivity is out in media. If it's Donald Trump, it's a raid. If it's Joe Biden, it's a search. And we get it. That's that's the name of the game. With Donald Trump, he can have them locked in in, in a locker with a lock on it. Literally, like a physical lock on the lock. I don't mean just like little lock. That's what I was trying to say. And the Secret Service can be protecting it. But Joe Biden, he can have it in his garage. His son can somehow know things about classified information. And the media runs defense. And that's where we're currently at. Now, I do think this is going to be very damaging for Joe Biden moving into 2024, but I'm not sure it will be a big enough deal for the average person who doesn't know and doesn't care. And now that the media has come out saying they're running defense for this guy saying, look, you know, we saw this with Chuck Todd that it's 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 not a conspiracy. You know, he's cooperating. Everything's fine. No questions about Hunter Biden. Uh Oh, the latest revelation on Hunter Biden is that apparently, well, let's just say there are salacious details about text messages sent to co-workers that he will just I don't know, we'll call it some kind of harassment. Even I believe it's the New Yorker is now saying this is a new low. 
You can't escape this stuff. The Biden family is dirty, very dirty. And we also learned the other day that before the midterms, Joe Biden's office was raided. Or I believe it was before the midterms, but in November, they raided the Penn Biden office looking for classified documents. We knew that Biden, or I should say they knew that Biden had classified documents, which he's not legally allowed to have. He was not the president at the time when he took them. And they said nothing. And the media said nothing. So I want you to remember this as we rag on the corporate press in today's segment. They are not here to help you. They are not here to challenge the machine, to speak up for the little guy, to speak truth to power. They are here to speak power to truth, to shut it down, to protect the powerful, to protect the elite and the corrupt as they gut our system for personal gain. And meanwhile, the best thing you can do in the past several years is vote for someone like Donald Trump. They will lie, cheat and steal and do anything they can to stop Donald Trump from actually making America great again. I'm not going to pretend like Donald Trump's a perfect guy. Far from it. But you actually had a president who seemed to be trying to shore up Americans' economy and defenses. You bring in the establishment once again with Joe Biden, and it seems like his goal is mostly just to gut it, to take as much as he can, and then run out the door. While your house burns down, he runs in, and you're screaming, help me, Joe. And he goes, I got it. And then he grabs your TV and just bolts for it. Not that I think he could actually carry your TV, but you get my point. But let's read about what's going on with the latest raid on Joe Biden. And uh, then we'll talk about how the media lies about what happens to Joe and what happens to Donald. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com to become a member and support our work directly. As a member at TimCast.com, you just got to click that Join Us button. You're supporting these videos. You're supporting TimCast IRL, all of the, all of the crew that we have here, Cast Castle, Tales from the Inverted World. You will get access to exclusive segments on the TimCast IRL podcast, plus our silly show, Cast Castle. It's very funny. You should probably check it out if you haven't already. It's a members-only show, and we do bits where we mock the culture war and modern politics. So, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Basically, poking fun. But with your support, we will engage in future cultural endeavors, such as we are launching a physical coffee shop and hangout so that people can come together and share ideas in a physical space. It's very, very important. It's frustrating. It's difficult, and it really does get harder every single day doing this. But knowing that you guys directly support us keeps me going. Because I got to be honest, it is tough. And there are days when it certainly is easier just to say, if people want to keep supporting Joe Biden, then let them have it. If people want to defund the police, then let them have it. And when you look at the level of corruption in our media and our government, I really, really understand that drive people have to say, I am done with this leave me alone. The problem is we have to push back on these ideas. We need an inversion. We need people to say, no, don't leave me alone. I'm here. I'm pissed off and I'm not going to take it anymore. And we are going to stand up, push back and build a space where people stop just laying down. As an aside, before we get into this segment, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, all that good stuff. I want to shout out Matt Strickland of Gormelts in Virginia comes on Timcast IRL on Monday. They tried to shut his business down. He said, no, they took his license. He said, don't care. They seized his liquor. He said, so what? And he won. He won in court. The courts agreed he was right the whole time. What the government did to him was wrong. And he won, got everything back. And even he said, as people cheered him on, others whispered in his ear, but I would never do the same. We're going to build a culture doing the opposite. 
We are going to tell people there is no more just running and hiding and hoping everything just blows over. No, it's time to stand up and speak out. And here's why. From the Daily Caller, they report, the Department of Justice conducted a second search of President Joe Biden's Delaware home on Wednesday after previously finding classified documents at the location January 20th. Full stop, Daily Caller. You see, here's exactly what I'm talking about. When it's Donald Trump, four dozen empty folders marked classified found in Trump Mar-a-Lago raid, raid. They raided Donald Trump. And this is CNBC and not even the Daily Caller, which is Tucker Carlson's. I don't know if he's still associated with, with, uh, with the Daily Caller, but even they won't do it. I'm just so frustrated, guys. Look, I jokingly poked fun at Libby Emmons over at the Post Millennial because they called Antifa domestic terrorists protesters. And TimCast.com did the same thing. And I poked fun at our crew saying, guys, what are you doing? I'm just tired of it conservative, independent and libertarian outlets will always give the benefit of the doubt in language to these corrupt psychopaths. No, they did not search Biden's home. They raided him just like they raided Donald Trump. Or how about this? You can say the DOJ or the FBI searched Donald Trump's home. But if they're going to play the game of semantics and anything Trump does is apocalyptic and anything Biden does is is a freebie. I won't. Joe Biden got raided for what? The fourth time. The DOJ is raiding a sitting president. Why? Because he is corrupt human trash. Quote, today with the president's full support and cooperation, the DOJ is conducting a planned search of his home in Rehoboth, Delaware. Bob Bauer, Biden's personal attorney, said in a statement. Yeah. And uh, Donald Trump allowed them to come in and search his property, but they called that one a raid under DOJ's standard procedures. In the interests of operational security and integrity, it's sought to do this work without advanced public notice, and we agreed to cooperate. The search today is a further step in a thorough and timely DOJ process we will continue to fully support and facilitate. We will have further information at the conclusion of today's search, Bauer added. You know what people are thinking? Here's the plan. They're going to come out and say, Joe Biden broke the law. He broke the law by doing this, and that makes him ineligible. And then when all the conservatives go, woo, Joe Biden, woo, you know, he's ineligible. They're going to say, and that also applies to Donald Trump. Back that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I think that's where it goes. They're basically saying, look, Joe Biden, he's old, he's done. He ain't going to be able to run, but he's saying he is. Now they have a, now they have an excuse. Now they can say, look, Joe can't run. He violated the records provision or whatever. Joe Biden will be like, you know, it was a mistake, but I take full responsibility. And I recognize now under the Constitution, I will not be able to run for office or under the law. And then Donald Trump will be like, excuse me. No, no. And the will be like, well, well, Joe Biden said it, so you can't run. 
they, they, you know what they did with these, these, these people in um, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn? They're trial balloons. They filed lawsuits saying you are ineligible to run for being an insurrectionist. Trial balloons. They are going to launch the full thing at Donald Trump. Well, we will see. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. I guess Ian actually has a, has a crystal ball right there. It's Ian's. It's not mine. Okay. But like you can't literally see the future. So you get my point. There, there, there actually is a crystal ball on this table. Anyway, Arden Fari says, breaking, two sources familiar with the event tell CBS News FBI personnel are at Biden's uh, Rehoboth home. One source familiar with the event tells CBS News the search is in relation to classified documents investigation. That is, the FBI raided Joe Biden again. Biden's lawyers originally found classified documents at the Penn Biden Center on November 2nd, a think tank where Biden held an office as vice president. His lawyers found additional documents in his home. The DOJ conducted a consensual search of the property on January 20th. A consensual search. Ah, yes, not a raid, a consensual search, even though Donald Trump allowed them to search his property as well. That one was a raid. The DOJ had full access to the president's home, including personally handwritten notes, files, papers, binders, memorabilia, to-do lists, schedules, and reminders going back decades, Bauer's statement said at the time. Well, they found nothing. Breaking. FBI finds no documents in Biden's $2.7 million Rehoboth vacation home after three and a half hour search with White House under fire for lack of transparency. I think it's an important context. They raided him. They found nothing. Fine. So be it. I'm not here to act like they, he's got a trove of secret documents or anything. We're just going to talk to you about the media bias, the manipulation and the corruption itself. From the Washington Post, FBI searched Penn Biden Center after president's aides reported documents. Agents were looking for any additional classified records that may have been stored there from Biden's time as vice president. And now it all comes into full view. I have a, a theory for you. Many people are asking, why is it that... Why, 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 why is it that we don't know about this? Why is it that we're only learning about it now? Why is it that they're even going after Joe Biden? Well, it's simple. We're only learning about it now because it's a cover-up. The reason they're going after Joe Biden is because it's a cover-up. Now, you may be saying, well, what do you mean? The FBI is raiding Joe Biden to cover it up? Well, how does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense in that Biden's lawyers went to them and said, guys, we got a problem. We're doing this Trump thing with the documents. Biden's got some too. Better clean it up. And they went, yikes. So they went in to try and clean it all up. They covered it up. They did. They did cover it up because this was pre midterms. And how come nobody told us? How come uh, we didn't know about it? Shouldn't the American people have known that the thing they're accusing Donald Trump of doing and being criminal, Joe Biden did as well? It's a cover up. The media is covering it up. The feds are covering it up. The Bidens are covering it up. The only reason they're doing this is because they're trying to see they're preempting. You get it? With Donald Trump, they said, aha, we got him. Then someone said, hey, if you're going to use this in 2024, you got to make sure Biden doesn't fall into the same you know, umbrella and said, OK. And then the lawyers did the search, come out and say, look, we found some documents. So the FBI quietly goes in, does a search, finds nothing. Or actually, they, fi- they did find uh, uh, documents. No, no, no. I think they found nothing. I think that it was the, it, the documents were given to him. They went and searched more because they're trying to make sure there's nothing else. They are trying to prop him up. Here we go from the Daily Mail. What else are they hiding? National archives blocked from releasing statement on classified documents found at Biden's think tank. 
top Republican reveals as White House claims of transparency faces even more scrutiny. And there it is, my friends. It's a cover up. That's the whole thing. You know what I was saying? Maybe the deep state is trying to get rid of them both. Some people said maybe the, the goal of the intelligence agencies is to prove to, the, to these politicians that they are in control. Maybe the idea is that Joe Biden was told to step down, but he's saying, no, he, he doesn't want that, that, that to be his legacy. So they're going after him. Like, it makes no sense. Joe Biden's deep state. He's establishment. Why? Oh, here it is. They're trying to cover it up. That or what may, may make more sense is they're trying to use the Biden scenario to say, OK, you can't rerun. And then Biden goes, oh, gee, come on, man. I, I guess I can't run. And neither can Trump. Or the FBI went in silently to search for documents to preempt anyone finding out they existed and cover up the story. It, just didn't, it didn't work. Now we have this. The National Archives was prevented from notifying the public that classified documents had been found at Biden's think tank back in November, raising questions over who stopped the information from coming out cover up. They're, they're trying to cover it up. They literally covered it up before the midterms. House Oversight and Reform Committee Chairman James Comer raised the question Tuesday night, claiming that the only two entities that could have given the order are the White House and the DOJ, putting the onus on either Biden or Attorney General Merrick Garland, two disgusting, corrupt men. Despite Biden's team claiming they have been transparent regarding their classified document scandal. New details emerged Tuesday that the FBI searched his former offices after the initial materials were found. Documents with classified markings were found at Biden's Washington, D.C. think tank in early November, just days before the midterm. And they could have come out and said something. They could have come out and said, yes, we've discovered this. This is breaking news. Instead, they covered it up. The National Archives prepared a press release to notify the public of the discovery, but was stopped from issuing the statement, Comer revealed. There are only two people that could have given those orders, and that's either the Department of Justice with Merrick Garland or the White House with Joe Biden. The Kentucky Republican told Fox News host Sean Hannity on Tuesday evening. So it shows right there that this Department of Justice and this White House is interfering with this. The latest revelation comes after Comer's panel conducted a lengthy interview with the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, General Counsel Gary Stern. He also informed the oversight committee that he couldn't tell them who gave the order not to release the statement. That one is fascinating. Comer noted, yet another double standard in the process of classified documents between the case involving Biden and the one involving Trump, whose Mar-a-Lago residence was raided by the FBI in August for failing to return presidential documents to the National Archives after multiple requests. If you go to the National Archives website, there's pages and pages of press releases and information about the FBI raid into Mar-a-Lago and Donald Trump's possession of classified documents. But there's nothing on the website about Joe Biden. It's a cover up. New information about Biden's case also emerged Tuesday, indicating the discovery of documents wasn't as much of a cooperative process as previously indicated. Oh, but not a raid? FBI investigators searched Biden's D.C. think tank office days after the president's lawyers identified classified material there. The White House and DOJ did not disclose the search, which was reported by CBS News, despite the White House's claim of transparency. And there it is. The only reason we know about it is because CBS did the reporting. So I'll give them that one. On November 2nd, days before the midterm elections, a Biden attorney discovered 10 documents marked classified, then contacted the National Archives, which alerted the, just, the Justice Department. Comer demanded the archives come before the Oversight Committee to shed some clarity on the documents after the classified materials were found at Trump 
Biden and former VP Mike Pence's private residences and offices. Stern was grilled by lawmakers Tuesday for more than three hours in a transcribed interview with Comer and his panel as Democrats, Democrat and Republican lawmakers have grown increasingly frustrated with the lack of detail and transparency from the administration on the matter. In the Democrat-controlled Senate, the Intelligence Committee has lamented that they have not been able to review the documents, yet the press keeps releasing information regarding the materials found in the searches. While Republicans and Democrats lamented of stonewalling from the DOJ, members of the oversight panel claim the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, is blocking the release of key details until the agency has concluded its investigation. News of the FBI search comes as the Biden administration faces new pressure from Democrats to disclose the contents of classified material found in his home. And you know what I think you'd find with it? I think you'd find that it very much aligns with what Hunter Biden was talking about in his emails. I think Joe was illegally sharing information with Hunter Biden to support illicit business dealings. Hey, here's a tweet from ABC News breaking DOJ conducting a planned search of Biden's home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, according to his lawyer. Is that how you report it? Incredible. As I've already shown you, CBS calls it a raid. It was a raid on Mar-a-Lago. The FBI raided it. Yeah, with guns and all that stuff. But Joe Biden, let's talk about it this way. Maybe the FBI showed up, kicked the door and said everyone on the ground. And it was a raid. There's still the bias because with Joe Biden, they show up with smiles on their faces and say, don't worry, Joe, we're going to do everything by the book. And then the media will come out and say, don't worry, you're your pretty little head about it. That's where we are. Daily Mail. Uh, oh, so I'm sorry, this is the one I, I already had pulled up. I want to I talk to you about the corporate press. We got this tweet from Michael Schellenberger. And I'll tell you where we're currently at. Mainstream news journalists believe they are more fair and objective than the public. But Pew finds the opposite, where 76% of U.S. adults agree that journalists should always strive to give every side of equal coverage. Just 44% of journalists do. Ah, Amazing. So it's no wonder we are in this state. The Washington Post writes, newsrooms that move beyond objectivity can build trust. That's right. Young people overwhelmingly believe that there should not be there should be no standard of objectivity. It's impossible. Therefore, let's just push our worldview. Here's the difference. They will use a manipulative argument. Nobody can truly be objective, right? Like you're not omniscient. How can you know everything? You don't know what's really going on in this story. So how can you report it? All you have is some evidence, some circumstantial evidence. They make the argument that objectivity requires omniscience. It doesn't. They would say things like Tim Poole, when I, when I would cover things on the ground, say, he's, he's not a, people would be like, he's an objective journalist. And others would be like, he's not objective. He's got his worldview and his biases. No one's objective. Everybody's worldview is based on their life, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you're confusing objectivity with omniscience. When I sh- I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. OK. Objectivity is simple. It's when you're sitting down at a restaurant and then you see two men walk right up to each other. And one guy goes, I don't like you looking at my girl that way. And the other guy goes, I don't like you talking about me looking at your girl that way. And then guy A punches guy B. You don't know either of them. You are objective. When asked, you'll say, look, I don't know these guys. I was eating. This guy got mad. He was looking at his girl. This guy got mad that he was talking back. So this guy then took a swing at him and hit him in the face. Bias would be if one of those guys was your brother. So this idea of getting rid of objectivity is a manipulation 
It's a lie because what they really are saying is we are desperately in need of producing opinion clickbait. Oh, they know it. I know it. We run the Timcast newsroom. You know how much money we make off the newsroom? We don't. We do it because it's important. When you become a member at Timcast.com, I invest that money in our news team. That's it. Something that needs to exist. Journalists who are writing real news. We don't make money from it. We hope that when these articles get tweeted out or when we hire a journalist to go on the ground and cover news, that it generates attention for the work we do in general and people will read. But that's more of a, I don't know, philanthropic endeavor. Ultimately, it's this show and it's IRL that are that are making the money to fund all of this, either through promoting the website so that you guys can sign up. But people don't see the news articles and then say, I'm going to go become a member and support more of this. I wish they did. We're hoping that's the case, but we don't get as much traffic on the articles as we do in anything else. We're doing it because it needs to be done. We're doing it because the corporate press is saying, you know what? We don't need objectivity. They're saying it right now. They say increasingly reporters, editors, and media critics argue that the concept of journalistic objectivity is a distortion of reality. They point out that the standard was dictated over the decades by male editors in predominantly white newsrooms and reinforce their own view of the world. They believe that pursuing objectivity can lead to false balance or misleading both sidesism in covering stories about race, the treatment of women, LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. And, and they're lying because they're evil people and it's what they do. They lie to you to trick you into giving up your power. You know what, man? It is frustrating, but that's that's exactly it. Now, the surprising thing is this. Everything I've told you about the media, about the Bidens, and we have this from uh, New York Mag. I, 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 said, I said the New Yorker, it's New York Mag, sorry. The late, a correction. The latest Hunter Biden revelation is a new, I always mix those two up, New Yorker and New York Mag. This is Intelligencer with New York Mag. The latest Hunter Biden revelation is a new low. Texts from Hunter Biden to a former employee obtained by the Daily Mail show that in 2019, the president's son threatened to withhold back pay from a legal assistant unless she had sex with him on FaceTime. Okay, that's Hunter Biden, ladies and gentlemen. That is the son of the president. It's remarkable. The assistant who was not named in the report was employed by Biden's legal firm, Owasco, for administrative work. Documents from his laptop show the woman emailed in January 2019 asking why she had not received her paycheck from December and why her health insurance was not active. Two months later, the texts show that Biden sent her $1,000 via Apple Pay for small stuff. I will, I will bake up for back pay. What does that mean? Make up for back pay. He texted. You have to make up for back work. After he sent 2000 more, she agreed and Biden set the terms. The rule has to be no talk of anything but sex, and we must be naked, and we have to do whatever the other person asks within reason. The texts go on, and Biden continues to send her money as the two engage in cybering over the video chat app or whatever. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's amazing. It's horrible. It's disgusting. Perhaps what he was really doing is falsely employing a woman who was providing sex work. Perhaps the woman had no choice and she was pressured into it by a disgusting and depraved man. Seems to be that's the case. 
And no matter what happens, no matter what happens, they keep saying that uh, it'll, it'll impact nothing. Now we have this. Biden's open border will cost Democrats in 2024 from Liz Peak. Are you kidding me? After what I just read about his son, you think that's going to have an impact? Ah, I just find that remarkable. Joe Biden has been corrupt before. He has plagiarized before. They still vote for him because we are trapped in, I don't know, clown world. People don't care about politics. They don't want to care about politics. They'll just vote for whoever they're told to vote for. I want you to see this right here. Predict it. Who will win the 2024 Democratic presidential nomination? Joe Biden, 53 cents. That's basically giving him the odds. 53% odds that he, uh, uh, he gets it. You also then have the no side of things, and it's really interesting. Uh, the no side is, is, is inverted. So Elizabeth Warren, the idea that she'll win it, it's three cents to buy. Here's how it works. You buy a share of Elizabeth Warren winning the Democratic nomination. You can buy a share for three cents. And if it pay, and if she does win, you get a dollar back for every share. That's a bold bet. What some people will do is they'll buy Bernie Sanders shares for three cents because they know Bernie's going to come out and make some statements. His share value will increase to five cents and they'll sell them. And you can see it's 98 cents to buy. No. Why? I mean, that's free money. If you ask me, I got to be honest. Like right now, I think if you went on predict it, I'm not going to, I'm not telling you what to do, but like 95 cents to buy a share of Pete Buttigieg won't be the nominee. And I'm like, sounds like a safe bet to me. Bernie Sanders, 98 cents. So what? You spend 98 cents, you get a dollar back. I guess they take a cut, so it's not really worth it, but you get the point. Anyway, here's, here's ultimately what my point is. Joe Biden, despite all of this, the prediction market, they don't care for anything. They don't care what you think. They don't care what you want. They care. Do we make money? Are we right? They're betting on Joe Biden because they know something that you don't. Well, they know something you probably do know, but some of you don't. It does not matter if Joe Biden walked into the middle of the street and punched a child right in the face. People would still vote for him. Donald Trump famously said he could walk onto the Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and people would still vote for him. But you know what? He was right about that. The difference is Donald Trump had support because he was proposing ideas, because he was strong and boastful and he wanted to do things. He wanted to fix our borders. He wanted to bring jobs back. He wanted factories back. And what is Joe Biden for? No, seriously, tell me, what's he for? He called the lid, calling the lid, going to go sleep in the basement. Yeah. Ballot harvesting. That was key. That was key. Universal mail-in voting. That was key. It's how they did it. The shadow campaign to save the election or fortify it, whatever you want to call it. And I'm sitting here just absolutely surprised. And I think Kamala Harris is a funny bet. Who will win? See, they're not asking who will run. They're saying who will win. You really think that Kamala Harris is a 91 cent uh, or is a nine cent chance to win the nomination? She's zero as far as I'm concerned. That's free money. I am not telling you to go to predict it. That's your responsibility. Get your own financial advice. I'm just saying maybe I should. Maybe I should buy a bunch of shares in Kamala Harris because it ain't going to be her. I guess in the end, she might actually win the nomination. So, you know, fine, I guess. But we don't know exactly where that ends up. Over at the GOP nomination, predicted split between Trump and DeSantis. Now I find particularly interesting. Nikki Haley just jumped 10 cents. Hey, did you make your money off Nikki Haley? Because she's she's apparently 
going to announce her 2024 bid with everyone collectively groaning and asking themselves, why would she do that? Even Larry Hogan is on here. Blech. I guess the sad reality is watching news like this, seeing stories like this, we know that no, no level of corruption, no level of exposure for what they're doing, no matter how often the Bidens support disgusting things or do disgusting things, people don't care. They don't. They look at the machine and they say, who are you putting up? The DNC says it's going to be Joe Biden. They go, you got it. Don't know. Don't care what he did. Going to vote for him anyway. And that's insane. The RNC resisted Trump. They hated Trump. They still hate Trump. People vote for him. It's an inversion, I guess. It's remarkable when you see the left say things that you know are just absolutely not true. Man. Which party wins the presidency in 2024? Democratic with 52 cents. They're in the lead. Here we go. Predicted says, who will win the 2024 U.S. presidential election? Joe Biden is the favorite. That to me is crazy. But that's the point. The people who are flipping coins, the people who are making bets, the wisdom of the crowd, they don't care if you like Joe Biden or hate Joe Biden. From the data points they're tracking, Joe Biden looks like he's going to be the winner. And then what? We'll get another four years of all of this, I guess. And you'll be worse off for it. You'll be worse off. I can't say between DeSantis or Trump, who's better. Trump for a lot of reasons. DeSantis for many more. But Trump has come out calling out culture war issues recently. Talking about gender ideology and pink haired communists in schools. Maybe he's starting to realize what people are truly concerned about. And that's a good thing. But Ron DeSantis has always been a culture warrior. So who's it going to be? Are you going to vote for Trump? Are you going to vote for DeSantis? I assume most of you will not be voting for Joe Biden, but maybe there's a small percentage that will. Maybe he'll get the chaos vote. You know, people like Michael Malice who are like, just put in Biden again and let it all go crazy. I'm not about that. You know, I'd like I'd like at the very least Trump to get reelected. Border security, better economy, more jobs. That's what I'm thinking. Ron DeSantis has proven himself with Florida, but I'm not so convinced he can prove himself with the rest of the country which means I think he should be a VP. Let Donald Trump lead the charge. He can handle, DeSantis can then handle domestic issues as VP. But I guess we'll see. I guess we will see. I think I've got shares bought on uh, Donald Trump. I think my, my predicted bet was that Trump is going to win the nomination. Not a psychic. I say it a million times. So we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. We have reached the point in the Twitter controversy over whether or not people can see your tweets, where Elon Musk himself, the guy who bought Twitter and the CEO, has locked his own account because there's this viral trend where everyone's like, if you lock your account, more people can see you. And I'm, I'm sorry, it is just probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I, I really just, I don't get it. People care way too much about this platform. So, so basically, for those that didn't see, we talked about it yesterday. I tweeted out, it feels like Twitter is dying. And a bunch of people are like, no, no, Tim, don't say that. You know, Elon Musk is going to turn around. All these leftists in media are going to write that Elon destroyed the platform, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I don't know, maybe kind of. I don't care. I got no allegiance to anybody. Okay, let me tell you. I go on the Twitter platform and I tweet some stupid nonsense. And I used to get 300 replies, 300 retweets, often more. But if I tweeted out a story that was more serious, 
I'd get a decent amount of retweets. I would. It's probably why I've got like 1.5 million Twitter followers. Thank you all, you know, who care to see what I have to say. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying people follow me. And uh, now engagement's way down. Like, it, it just feels kind of pointless sometimes to, to, I understand why people feel this way, why they're trying to lock their accounts, because they're like, what's the point of engaging on the platform if you're getting like 10 replies? It's like, it's like screaming into the wind. But for me, I never really cared. I cared a long time ago. I stopped caring a long time ago. You know, when, when, I, when I sit down and talk with uh, Jack Dorsey and Vigigade and Rogan and all that, and then I just clearly see this is a manipulated garbage platform, I really just said, who cares, right? When we get to the point where Elon Musk himself is like, maybe this thing is true. It's like, bro, you, you have the code. Oh, well, he told Dave Rubin it was a fractal Rube Goldberg machine. So all of a sudden, we're seeing this wave of, I don't know, people are feeling like the platform is dying. I'm not the first person to say this. In fact, I'm probably the last person to have said it. Several weeks ago, people were tweeting that it feels like Twitter is dying, and not in the sense that it's not working. It seems to be working great in terms of the speed and efficiency. It just feels like no one cares anymore. And you know what? Maybe that's it. But there's another issue at play. YouTube rolled out this, I'm sorry, YouTube, Twitter rolled out this ridiculously stupid uh, algorithmic change where they created a for you tab. Yo, maybe Elon really did blow this thing up. All right, before I talk about why this may be happening, let me just stress the, the significance of this. People may be saying, I know there's probably a lot of people who are like, who cares about Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I don't use Twitter. I watch YouTube. I watch Tim on YouTube. Sure, sure, sure. But take a look at this. From Fox News, Twitter users baffled by Biden claiming Supreme Court will end COVID emergency. Sounds like science to me. Uh, if, if, if this is the end of Twitter, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a very good mood. Since the dawn of Twitter, or I should say the expansion of Twitter, news media, quote unquote, journalists, have been scouring for comments to write stories about. It is not news, Fox, that Twitter users are baffled. I can go on Twitter and find users who are baffled by gravity. I can find users who are baffled by the fact that the earth is, in fact, round. And then what? Am I going to write an article about it? Twitter users express distrust over IPCC under, on, on grounds that Earth isn't is flat, they claim. You're going to find people saying literally anything you want. Who cares what Twitter users have to say? This is the stupidest thing ever. And it's one of the reasons I really hated Twitter for a really, really long time. Because you get random 14-year-old on the platform using a cat emoji saying something like, I just think Joe Biden's the best. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, I'm going to argue with you on this one. It's like, dude, it's a for, look on Twitter. You don't know you're arguing with a 14-year-old or maybe a 12-year-old or a nine-year-old. And they're just saying, you're stupid. I can't believe you would say something so stupid. And then you're getting all mad like these, these liberals or, or these right-wing nut jobs. And in reality, it's a bunch of little kids. Probably a bunch of little kids. I mean, maybe not like little, little kids, but like 14, 15 year olds. They're probably telling you, it's so hilarious. You go on there and you can yell at a politician and then they'll retweet you. That's how stupid this platform is. So an algorithmic change happened. And I think it's going to have a profound impact on the political landscape, probably for the better. I think Twitter has hyperpolarized us. I think not just Twitter. I think it's, it's YouTube, Facebook, etc. But Twitter imploding is one of the big three coming crashing down. So here's what I think happens. Why is your engagement down? 
because Elon Musk rolled out this for you tab. And I think it was a really dumb idea. I have always hated Twitter's attempt at an algorithmic feed. And the most annoying thing, it used to be this. You'd open your Twitter account. You'd see a feed of posts. And I follow politicians and journalists and commentators and activists. And I want to see in real time what they're talking about. News story breaks. Boom. Five minutes ago. Unarmed guy shot by cops. Big news. Hey, that's great. Because then you're, you're, you're getting the news right as it comes in. Or someone posts the video of it happening right when it happens. They rolled out this stupid little star and then defaulted everyone to the home feed. And then one day I go on Twitter and it's like 17 hours ago. Someone tweeted, sure did love watching that TV show. And I'm like, what is, what is this? Who is this? And then I'm like, what's going on? You got to click the little star and say latest tweets. So Elon rolls out this for you tab which is an algorithmic feed where all of a sudden people are getting shown content from people they don't follow and don't like. So why is engagement going into the gutter? This is funny. Okay. I, I just got I just, it's going in the gutter because people are no longer seeing your tweets because the algorithm, that's it. That's probably the answer. Okay. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know for whatever reason why going private makes it more visible. Perhaps it's because in the algorithm going private meant that like if you were following a private account, it was probably someone closer to you or something more important to you because they approved of your follow and thus they're weighted more heavily in the stupid algorithm. But what's happening now is I think the rumor I heard is that Elon Musk doesn't like the hyperpolarization of Twitter, that this is a social platform that rewards tribal partisanship. And that's exemplified by the drop in engagement. So please understand, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing. I just, I'm just, I'm so tired of all the stupidity across the board. We need, we need to just be like, come on guys, you know, here's what I'm saying. You go on Twitter and you post Joe Biden sucks. And what happens? Everybody on the right, they're going to comment. They're going to say, yes. I mean, you even have, I think Dan Bongino does this every day. He says, Joe Biden is the worst president in history. Cue liberal outrage. And it's like, what's the point of that tweet? Like, I know, I think Dan Bongino is great. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm saying like quite literally, like, what is the purpose of the tweet? Like, real question. Is it to trigger liberals, make them angry, get them to comment and dislike you? Is it to scream into an echo chamber that everyone who agrees with you can hear and they can high five you? I don't know, man. That's why I tried, I started tweeting nonsense. I, I tweeted like a picture of a hairless rabbit once and people, people follow me. You know, I, that's great. You know, you follow me, you get weird stuff. Sometimes, okay, fine, salient points, and uh, I'll, I'll address things in media, and those often get tons of tweets. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our retweets. But what happens is the left goes on and says left wing thing. Everybody retweets it. The right goes on, says right wing thing. Everybody retweets it. And thus the hyperpolarization continues to get worse because now people are being algorithmically fed exactly what they agree with. It seems like 
and this is the rumor I heard, Elon Musk said, smash it all together and stop the hyperpolarization. And what's happened is all of a sudden people on the right are seeing stuff on the left, people on the left are seeing stuff on the right, or more importantly, people on both sides are seeing inane content from random people that doesn't matter to them. So if you're on Twitter and you're a Trump supporter and your whole world is like Donald Trump 2024, and then you see a tweet where it's like Tom Brady's retiring, you might be like, well, that's interesting next and swipe past it. Because that's what's happening to me. I go on Twitter and the only thing it's feeding me is Tom Brady. Don't know or care about Tom Brady, guys. I, I just don't. I, whatever, man. You want to tell me that like Tony Hawk's going to retire because he busted his femur and I, I hope he does better. And I'm laughing. You know, I chuckled because it's like such a stereotypical skateboard thing. Like Tony Hawk. It's like better pros. If you told me, you know, I, I guess Daywan Song was retiring, I'd be like, wow, really? I mean, he's still really good. But uh, Tony Hawk busted his, his femur. I followed that. But uh, I don't get fed any of that stuff. I don't. I get shown because I follow. I hate the algorithmic feed. I just want to see from the people I follow. I follow news organizations. I follow activists, etc. cetera. You, you know what I'm talking about. This has resulted in what I, I think is a collapse. And it's kind of funny, isn't it? It's a dopamine machine. It's an addiction machine. They're beating you in the face over and over again, trying to get you to engage. But it's addicting. Here's how it works. You shall, y'all should get addicted to other things like exercise or magic the gathering or poker. Those are things that I've been doing, you know. So anyway, uh, here's what they do. I talked about this in media. All right. It's very important. Donald Trump comes onto the scene 2015 or whatever and says, I'm going to be running for president. And then he says, we need a total ban on Muslims coming into this country until we can figure things out. That's a terrible Trump impersonation. I know I'm not trying to go hard, but uh, he did say something to that effect. And then the media says Trump is racist. That 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 article, one million hits. Trump makes racist comment. One million hits because Democrats are like, everybody share this, share this. It's good for us. One million. Well, that journalist, quote unquote journalist, is now going like, whoa, I wrote this article calling Trump racist. I got a million hits. And then their boss comes in and says, you just got a million hits. The president of journalism wants to talk to you about how great of a journalist you are. And they get a bonus in their paycheck. Many of these outlets were actually paying bonuses based on views or commissions or whatever. Some of them were prominent ones. So the next day they say, "Okay, let's get to it. Donald Trump is racist again. 750 million hits. I mean, 750,000 hits. And they're like, okay, you know, calling Trump racist got me less hits, but still a lot. I got it. Trump is even more racist. Boom. 1.5 million views on the article. Trump is the most racist. Is Trump approaching Hitlerian levels? And they keep going one more dopamine hit at a time over and over again until they're screaming in your face. Ah, Trump's a Nazi. Then you get Joe Biden coming out and being like, Donald Trump praised Nazis. And it's fake. It's not real. They're making the whole thing up because they're beating you over the head trying to get that dopamine release out. You break that system like it appears either advertently or advertently. I'm kidding about that word, but you know. You break that system and then people start to disassociate from the system, to disengage and go congregate somewhere else. You have to keep screaming into the wind. This is kind of what I was talking about yesterday in the 4 p.m. segment I did, where I'm like, I'm not doing another Joe Biden scandal story. Like I did talk about it, but I'm sitting there and it's like the the news comes out 
because I hate this, that that Joe Biden, the Penn Biden Center was searched by the by the DOJ in November. So it's bigger than just this one search or this one release of documents. And they're withholding information before the midterms and it matters. And I'm just like, look, what I try to do at youtube.com slash Timcast, which is different to this one, is political, you know, conflict kind of news, you know, sometimes major cultural things related to Elon, Twitter. And then this channel is kind of like just, I don't know, whinging on various cultural and political issues. It's more off the cuff and kind of just whatever I feel like talking about. And so I'm, I'm getting ready for the show. You know, I, I, I'm pulling things up, pulling up articles, and I'm like, here's the news again, man. The Biden scandal gets worse. And then I'm just like, am I going to do the same story again? Just, hey, guys, Biden extra corrupt, because that's what the media is doing. And the story's real. And so that's why I did include it. Like, this thing did happen. But I'm like, I don't want to make another headline. I don't care if it gets 200,000 views. I don't care if it gets half a million views. I am not doing this again. The system is insane. Humans are being driven insane. It is busted up and broken. So I don't know, man. I think what ends up happening with this Twitter stuff is that Elon inadvertently shattered that machine. And people then go on Twitter. And why is engagement dropping? They go on Twitter because they want to, they want to see things they care about. They want to feel a confirm. They, 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 they seek out that confirmation bias. Some people just want to interact in the conversation, see what's going on. But one day they go on and they don't see your tweet because they're looking at the algorithmic feed and they see a tweet from a guy who's just like just went to Wendy's and you're like, OK, look, you know, I don't care if you want to come out and say Donald Trump is the is, is, is 10 times Hitler or something or you want to come out and have an honest conversation. I'm not interested at all in someone's post about going to Wendy's. It's just not don't care. So what happens is they decouple you from what is at least slightly interesting to you be it politics or otherwise, and you start getting fed things like sports, gaming, and nonsense, and you don't engage at all. You're not seeing the people you care about. You're seeing things you don't care about, so you don't engage. That breaks the system. Where do we end up? I think Twitter is dying. I really do. Not because Elon Musk broke the machine, but because he broke the drug addiction that is social media. Instagram is the same way. People got to get those hits. Part of me wonders how much of Twitter engagement was fake to begin with. And that's something you might want to you might want to understand. Uh, it was about 11 years ago. I was talking to uh, some tech investors. We launched an app called Tagly. And this app was a, it's a camera. You open it up. You can go into the settings and you can uh, turn on date, time, location, and add any text you want. When you do, and you take a photo, that will immediately appear on every photo. We thought it was important for journalists and for anybody interested, so that if you're at a news event or just in general, you take a picture, everyone can see in the corner the, the, the location of this, because you have the location data turned on, the time it happened. And if you want, you can put your Twitter handle or you can put your company name or your website. And we were talking about a social function to this, like a like a like a, a feed. And it would be like a news centric Instagram or something like that. And uh, I was asked, we had a conversation like, how do you get a social platform off the ground? And I said, well, you want to know what what everyone else does? I'll tell you what everyone else does this is exactly why we did not do it. They create fake accounts 
to trick you into thinking you're getting engagement, to trigger dopamine, to get you addicted. And then you start telling all your friends and that's how they build it up. And so we were just like, is that is that the secret? Well, apparently it's what Reddit did. There are some other social media platforms that I'm not going to name because without this being public, you know, these companies can be litigious. But yeah, some of the biggest. The idea is that someone signed up and said, what's this, uh, what's this app thing? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post a picture. And they got no engagement. And they were like, that's dumb. There's like literally nothing going on. It's like walking to an empty room and saying hello and no one's there. You leave. But you walk into a, you imagine walking into a small room. And they're like, what do you have to say, good sir? And you're like, I think Donald Trump is dumb. And then all of a sudden you hear a loud applause. Woo! Everyone's clapping. You're like, oh, they're clapping for me. Where are they clapping? It's like, oh, well, people in the other rooms, you can't see them. You're like, oh. Then all of a sudden, like cardboard cutouts come up and they're like, I agree. And this, they're all clapping. And you're like, well, this feels great. Surrounded by bots and fake accounts, triggering that dopamine to make it seem like what you're saying is good. You come back. You come back every time. I wonder if Elon broke it on purpose or on accident, but this is this is what we're experiencing now. And so here's here's what I really love. Let me get a shout out to um, Elijah Schaefer. This is how silly and, and stupid I think we've become. It's the drooling Wojak putting a lock on his Twitter account. And says, now I'm going to go viral. And Elijah says Twitter today was wild. You can follow uh, Elijah at Elijah Schaefer. Shout out. The reason why I love this tweet there are people who are so concerned with a drop in engagement, they locked their accounts so no one can engage with them. I just don't quite understand what's the point. So I, I, I went through my follower list. And I just unfollowed every person. Now, to be fair, person who locked their account. I didn't unfollow people I follow who have legitimately locked accounts. There are some people I know who locked their accounts years ago, and it's just a private account where they talk about certain things. Some of them are journalists, and they're, they're sharing information, and it's just for the people they've approved. I didn't unfollow them because they're intentionally trying to have a locked account that, that provides a service of some sort. And, uh, but, but all these people who are like, I want more engagement, so I'm going to lock my account. You broke the quote tweets. You broke the retweets. So on my Twitter account, if you follow me, all of a sudden, the things I'm talking about are shattered. And I'm just like, you know, man, I've got no time for people who are going to do this. I'm sorry, man. Look, it is it is it is hilarious to me to see all of these people lining up being like rumor mill says lock your account and more people can see what you do. And it's like lock your account and the people who already follow you in a small number will probably see what you have to say. But it also means you have zero exposure to anyone outside who already follows you. They basically look, it feels like a mousetrap. They were like, how can we get all these people banned without this is brilliant, by the way, it's absolutely brilliant. We want to ban prominent conservative commentators. How do we do it? Well, I don't know. What if we do this? What if we do a, a, a pressure change? Like, you know, when a room has really low pressure and there's really high pressure outside and you're like trying to open the door and then like the door is being pushed shut. You ever, you ever experienced that? Or the inverse is when there's high pressure inside and the door pushes open. That's what it is. Everybody's on Twitter and they create a low pressure system. And so then are a high pressure system. You're not getting engagement. I'm not getting engagement. And then they say, lock your account. That's that's the way you'll get people to see you. And they go, yes. And then everyone just banned themselves. 
I'm just like, are you kidding me? You know, it's just so stupid. You banned yourself. You ran into the mousetrap. It slammed shut and you got that delicious peanut butter. Now you're in the box. Now, I know the reality is you can leave the box at any time, but it is fascinating to me that there are people who are like, I know I will shut myself off from the world, which will make my posts be seen by more people. Not just all the people are in the mousetrap. And so you may argue, but Tim, my engagement dropped down anyway. Nobody was seeing anything. At the very least, your tweets could be quoted and shared. It was a lot harder. But the idea of locking yourself in a quarantine zone with your own followers is just nonsensical. Either the machine is broken and you have zero exposure to the outside world, or you lock yourself in a room with a bunch of other people who already agree with you and you have zero exposure to the outside world. If the reality is I'm standing in a big field beneath a tree, uh, eating some delicious peaches, and then all of a sudden everybody walked off. I'm not going to chase them into a quarantine box to try and convince them I have something worth saying. I'm going to sit here and be like, well, I guess that's it. You know, I'm going to keep doing my thing, I suppose. The funniest thing about it. OK, so so it, it almost feels like a kind of mass hysteria because what I just don't understand why everyone's just started believing. You know, when I locked my account, I got more engagement that I don't believe there's a correlation. I really don't. I think it's fascinating to me that it may be you lock your account. And triggering the lock does something where your tweet goes out to your, all your followers. They're more likely to see it. We don't know how if it's one time, two times, ten times. We don't know if it's even true. It could be a placebo effect. But everyone just started doing it. And I got to tell you, man, that's not me. That will never be me. And uh, I don't know. I think y'all probably know it. The story I like to tell. I'm in Venezuela. And I was covering the student protests, and there's the National Guard here about three, four blocks down, rifles, handguns, live ammo. Then there's a street with obstacles, barbed wire, and trash cans. Then there's protesters. We're standing westward of the protesters who are north of the National Guard. They all of a sudden start screaming and running straight north. So I ran west. I run west. And then I take cover. These are armed guys who are known to shoot. We're in Venezuela. There's flaming garbage. You run away from both groups. It's like when you're being chased by a boulder, you don't run with it. You're like, I'm going to keep running straight and the boulder's by turn left, man. It's like I was watching Prometheus. You see that movie and like the ship is rolling over and they're like running forward. Like, oh, like, dude, you're in the path of this thing. You're not like you need to run to the right if unless you, you I will get crushed or whatever. And this is what it feels like people are doing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're all just running in the same direction because they saw someone else run in the same direction. And I think what happens is if everybody runs in the same direction and you're being chased and you run with them, now you're in danger too. So I say I go the other direction. I am not going to chase after a mob that has no idea what's going on because they could run themselves off a cliff. 
Nah, I ran west, took cover behind a small wall, called my camera crew, get down, get down till we can figure out what's going on. But you don't want to be in the line of fire. You don't want to be with the group that's running. You want to be away from it. So I see this and I'm like, I think I think people have lost their minds. I mean, I think Twitter broke and then everyone's going like, oh, I'm not getting my likes anymore. Look, man, my views on YouTube go up and down. I used to get in 2020, I was getting like 300,000 views on every one of these videos I'd make on YouTube.com slash Timcast. I was getting half a million. Now it's down. Now it's 200,000. Now it's uh, 180,000, sometimes 200,000 on this channel. Doing these three extra segments, I'm really flooding the zone. So I understand there's only so many people who can watch, but it is what it is. You know, I can only be who I am. I can only say what I say. I can only think what I think. And in the end, if it all comes crashing down, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to get plastic surgery to try and look like I'm 20. If I'm like these pop stars who are like, in their 50s and 60s, and they're getting weird plastic surgery and trying to dance with 20-year-olds. It's like my, my guy. Like, shout out to Madonna. Yo, just chill. You have your time. Your time comes. Your time goes. Do your best. Be your best. And just, just be who you are. If people aren't engaging with me on Twitter anymore, I just like, I don't know, whatever, man. Like, I really do mean it when I say this all comes crashing down. I'm taking my van down by the river. I'm going fishing. I got a PlayStation. I got a little monitor. I'll do odd jobs, whatever. But there's so many people who are addicted and obsessed. And I'm like, fight the fight you can. Do the best you can. Help change the world. But at a certain point, don't go out and get plastic surgery so that you can try and dance with 20-year-olds. Don't lock your account because everyone else is doing it and you're, like, you're worried about not getting engagement. People are like, gotta, 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 gotta do what, uh, what, what works, I suppose. And I'm like, whatever, man. I, I, I'm so sick of Twitter. I'm so sick, sick of the dopamine machines. I'm so sick of all the stupid nonsense, the stupid garbage. I'm so sick of the corrupt politicians. You know, you know what matters right now? Y'all start homesteading. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll just delete all the Timcast stuff and I'll make a homesteading channel. And then I will make one, one one hundredth of the money that the company makes now. And I'll just be like, this is what matters. Figuring out how to live, to be a good person, to be good to the environment, to be good to yourself. You know, the reason I don't do that is my fear is eventually the government's going to come and take my chickens away. And I, and I really do mean that. I'm not saying now, not in 10 years, who knows, but you need to push back against the tyranny. Otherwise, there can't be the homesteading stuff. So I'll talk about this. Anyway, I don't want to go long on this one. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for listening to me whinge and rant. And uh, I'll see y'all then. You know, I don't normally cover true crime stuff, and uh, I didn't care too much for this story about Alex Murdaugh's final text message, the ongoing criminal trial, the family's history. But uh, I'm sorry, I, I had to, to, to cover the story because it's just so, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It really is. Have you guys been following this? This is a prominent South Carolina family where previously there's this story that came out. You may have remembered, you may remember the story where the son, Paul Murdaugh, was on a boat and a young woman died and it was kind of a big deal. And uh, now we have the story where apparently the, the father murdered his wife and son out by their kennel. And it's really interesting to hear the details. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some questions. I'm, I'm wondering what you think if this, if this guy's guilty. Because as I'm reading this story, it's basically the guy, they have dinner together. The, 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 the wife, the son, the dad, son's 22. Son was uh, implicated in the death of this woman because he was driving, uh, boating under the influence 
which uh, was probably embarrassing for the family and caused a lot of pain and suffering for the family of the young woman who died. So apparently, as the story goes, according to the prosecution, they go out to the kennels at like 8.44 p.m. And then the dad shotgun blasts him and, and kills his wife and, and son. According to the dad, he gets in his, he's actually just sitting on the couch or like napping or something, gets in his truck, not realizing they're, they, they may be already be dead, and then goes to visit, uh, check on his mom, who's got Alzheimer's, 15 minute drive, and then come right back. Now they're saying he's got text messages show, uh, and phone call records. But here's, here's what's interesting. First, I hear this. I'm reading through this story. And they say that uh, uh, he, he tried calling his wife and he texted his son saying like, hey, call me. And or, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the, the, the text and, and tried calling his wife several times. Prosecutors are saying that was him manufacturing an alibi. And so the first thing I think is like, I don't know, his, his uh, 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 pedometer, the, the foot tracking thing stops tracking steps for like an hour and then starts tracking again. He says he comes back, calls 911. And I'm like, the, the fact that he was calling, I mean, look, it's reasonable doubt. You tell me that his, his phone wasn't tracking his footsteps. And I'm like, he said he was sleeping. What, what do you want me to do? Not believe the guy? But then they say that there's video showing, you know, you can hear his voice. And I'm like, ah, so he what? he's clever. Now I'm thinking he did it. Then I started looking more into this because now I'm all of a sudden getting into, into this true crime story. And uh, y'all probably know way more about this than I, than I do. So comment. Let me know what you think. Tell me about if you're following the story. But then I read the story about how this young man was driving a boat under the influence and ended up killing somebody, a young woman. And now I'm thinking like the prosecution said the motive of the father was that he was trying to generate sympathy because he's being indicted on a bunch of financial crimes. And now I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like a crazy, this, this should be a movie about like upscale, old money, white collar crime and murder. Someone called Ryan Johnson, Knives Out 3, ready to go. And I'm like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, he killed his family because he's going to jail? That doesn't make sense. Why would he kill his family? And uh, then I thought about it. And I'm like, dude, what if, you know, this young guy, is, he, he, he's driving drunk on a boat and kills a young woman. And someone wanted revenge. I mean, that kind of makes more sense to me, to be honest. Why would a guy kill his own family? Give me a legitimate motive why a guy would kill his family. I and mean, that's a tough one, right? And then I'm reading this and I'm like, dude, what if somebody wanted revenge on Paul for having, uh, uh, you know, drip, drip, driven this boat under the influence? So anyway, here's what I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the news all day and I keep seeing this story and I have no idea why everyone's talking about it or why the news is covering it so heavily. And uh, then I just checked on it and I was like, wow, this is salacious. This is like, this is true crime 10 out of 10. No wonder people want to talk about it. So uh, I don't know. We'll take a break from your regularly scheduled Civil War and World War III talk and uh, talk about this murder mystery, which uh, just over the past like half hour, I'm just like reading. I'm like, I, let's, let's talk about this. Let's speculate. Check it out. Let's, let's get into the story. Let me first give you the timeline. Th- this story is talking about the uh, alibi that the prosecution claims he's crafting. It's live right now, actually. They're, they're in, in court. Here's the timeline of the killings. And I want you guys to comment. Let me know what you think as we go through this. Alex Murdoff, 54, is accused of shooting his wife, Maggie, and, and son, Paul, at the family's hunting estate in Islington, South Carolina, on the night of June 7, 2021. Here are the key events. At 7.56, Paul sent a Snapchat video to his friends showing the 22-year-old riding around the estate with his father. At 8.15, 
Murdoch's wife, Maggie, arrived home at, 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 at arrived home in the trio ate dinner together. Autopsies showed similar stomach contents in Maggie and Paul. Around 830, Paul's phone starts moving toward the kennels. 844, a second video taken by Paul at the kennel, soon to become a murder scene, allegedly proves that Maggie, Paul, and Alex were together. Now, I just want to point out, you know, I'm like, I could talk about Taiwan right now. Why am I talking about this? I'm sorry, man. Once it got to, once I realized his name, I'm like, Murda, how do you pronounce that? Murda? Alex Murda and murder story? Is this, come on, are you kidding me? Are we in a simulation? His name's Murda. He's a murder. Come on. That's just crazy. Anyway, the prosecution say Paul's phone locked and went silent forever at 849. Never to send another text. Between 9 and 930, Paul and Maggie were killed, according to the coroner. At 906, Murdoch's car is fired up. The alleged killer said he went to go visit his mother, who was in the late stages of Alzheimer's in Almeida, about 15 minutes. At 1007, Murdoch called 911, claiming he had arrived home to find his wife and son shot dead. So why did it happen? Maggie Murdoch's iPhone records revealed Tuesday how her husband of 28 years made a series of calls and texts to his wife in the frantic minutes after his death. Murdoch, Murdoch called Maggie three times uh, between 904 and 906, then twice more at 945 and 10.03. Prosecutors suggest the calls were an effort to manufacture an alibi. I mean, look, here's, here's a potential story that I see. They show it in, in here. Let me see if they, they, his steps. Check it out. Between 8.05 and 8.09, there's 74 steps. No movement for about an hour. Then at 9.02 to 9.06, there's 283 steps. But like, what is that, what is that suggesting? Like, what is the prosecution saying? Dude is basically claiming that he was like napping or something. And uh, let's, uh, let's, 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 let's read. Dove testified there were five missed calls from Alex on Maggie's phone. Paul's phone was found lying on top of his body. Five minutes later, 859, Gibson messaged Paul, see if he can get a picture. This is talking about his dogs. The message went unanswered. Gibson tried calling Paul five times between 9.10 and 10.08 p.m. At 9.34, Gibson sent a message to Paul's mother, Maggie, saying, tell Paul to call me, but he didn't respond. He sent a final follow-up message at 9.58, which simply said, yo. Now, here's a question I got I to gotta ask. Why isn't it that this guy's text messages, why aren't they considered crafting an alibi? What if this dude set it up? I mean, here's the potential. From 8.05 to 8.09, there were 74 steps. Yeah, does it sound like the dude maybe was going to his couch, grabbing some chips and like sitting down and taking a nap or something, and then drops his phone and passes out? And then what's the suggestion? That he leaves his phone on the couch, then goes out, murders his family for dubious reasons, then comes back, picks up his phone, walks heavily 283 steps to his car, and then drives uh, or doesn't drive and just makes a fake alibi or something. You know, like, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what happened. I just think, find this, this story is absolutely fascinating. One, because their name is murder, basically, you know, whatever. The alleged killer said he tried calling Maggie before going to visit his mother, who was in the late stages of Alzheimer's. Call logs show Murdoch tried ringing Maggie three times. He fired up his Chevy Suburban at 9.06 and texted Maggie that he would be right back and was going to check on his mother, who lives around 15 minutes away. He claims the last time he saw his wife and son was when they had supper together around 8.15. I mean, it all makes sense, doesn't it? Murdoch called his wife twice more. We know that. Waters told jurors last week, it's up to you to decide whether he's trying to create an alibi. Murdoch claims that when he arrived back at home, he found Maggie and Paul lying dead at the kennels. He called 911 at 10.07 p.m. However, the prosecu- prosecution alleged that Murdoch was with Maggie and Paul at the kennels. At 8.44, there's a video taken by Paul, which witnesses identify Paul's voice, in which witnesses identify Paul, Paul's voice, Maggie's voice, and Alex's voice. It has not yet been shown to the jury. 
I mean, that sounds like evidence to me at the very, like strong evidence. At the very least, it sounds like he's lying. Waters told jurors last week, the evidence will show you was there because of the murder scene. More than that, just over three minutes later, 8.49 p.m. in one second, Paul's phone locks forever, never reads another text. But that doesn't prove to me that this is the guy who did it. It could have been an angry friend. Check this out. So I looked this up. Mallory Beach death inside the boat crash that killed a South Carolina teen. That's right. It was the Murdoch family, and it was a fatal night where they got drunk, drove in a boat, the boat crashed, and the chick died. And now we have this absolutely insane story. So, I, so I'm like, why is everybody talking about this? Yo, because this is like, you got to write a movie about this. The Murdoch family was a prominent American legal family in the low country region of South Carolina from 20, 1920 to 2006. Three members of the family consecutively served as solicitor in charge of prosecuting all criminal cases in the state's 14th uh, circuit district. Since 2014, Richard Alex Murdoch and other members of the Murdoch family have been involved in investigations involving murders, corruption, and other alleged crimes, including insurance fraud, defrauding clients, theft of insurance payouts, drug-related charges. In 2019, amid allegations of special treatment, Alex's son, Paul Murdoch, and other members of the Murdoch family were implicated in a fatal boating accident. In June 2021, Alex Murdoch's wife and son were murdered. Alex has been charged with their murders. Alex is also accused of embezzlement from his law firm, from which he resigned in September 2021. He has been incarcerated since October 2021, pending trials, and has, has been disbarred by South Carolina. Okay, so, uh, all right. A disgraced family of former renown is involved in a whole bunch of financial crimes, drunk boating accidents, then they turn up dead. And the prosecution says the father killed his family because he wanted sympathy to, you know, over his the crimes he's committed or something like that. And I'm just like, you know what this really sounds like? It sounds like the whole place is probably just crooked and uh, everybody's probably involved. How about this? Somebody knew this young woman. Look, look, have you guys you guys watch uh, 1883? You're watching it. I, I, I started watching it. And then you got the scene where. I don't even know the guy's name. The, the main character dude was played by uh, Tim McGraw. Tells that other cowboy, like, don't get hands with my daughter. And then, you know, his daughter falls in love with him. So he punches him in the face. I'm like, what would a father do for his daughter? So you got this crooked, well-connected family with tons of money involved in a whole bunch of crimes. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How, how much more likely is it or, or what's the possibility that you've got a deeper conspiracy that somebody went for a revenge killing on Paul and his family and it wasn't the dad and the dad was just lucky he wasn't there. Otherwise, he'd be dead. He's a guy who's embezzling money, uh, accused of embezzling money and all these financial crimes. There's a lot of people who have a motive to hurt him and his family. Man, this is, this is a crazy story to read. I've been seeing this story for the past, like, I don't know how long it's been going on for, and I just ignored it. And then I finally, I saw this, the headline. He tried to call his wife five times in one hour on the night she and her son were found dead. And I'm like, hey, reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt, man. 
So I think what really stood out to me is that the prosecutors claim that it was a uh, sympathy. Let me let me pull this up. See if we can get it. Check this out. Prosecutors have said Murdoch killed his wife and child to generate sympathy and distract from his financial crimes, an alleged motive that Murdoch's lawyers have argued doesn't make sense. But he has adamantly insisted from the moment he found the bodies of his wife and youngest son shot multiple times that he was not the killer. Okay, I'm on a jury right now. I'm not following this as heavily as I followed like Rittenhouse or these other other cases. And there's probably a bunch of like law YouTubers who are tracking this stuff way better than I am. So I totally get that I do not know anything about this. I'm just speaking to you and you guys can inform me because I'm reading this like, yo, what's what's going on with this thing, right? And uh, I'm wondering, like, look, you, you, you tell to me as a juror, this man killed his son. And I'm not, I'm sorry, I just, no. Nah. Like, there are people who kill their, their kids. There are people who kill their family members. That I understand. But there are tremendous hurdles to overcome in, in believing somebody would do that. Now, if you've got a story of like a, there, there are a bunch of stories of like a, a, a women who murder their kids, you know, there's, and there's guys who kill their families and stuff. There are stories about parents who will kill their kids because the wife was going to take the kid away or the husband was going to take the kids away. So they go nuts. I remember there was one story where uh, this woman was concerned. I read this uh, 20 years ago or something that her kids wouldn't go to heaven because once they were too old, then they, they could, you know, children are innocent or whatever. So she bludgeoned her children to death, say, saying like, well, now they'll go to heaven. And it's like, you're insane. You're crazy. What would convince me that a man in his 50s would murder his 22-year-old son? Because I've seen videos, man, you ever see a video of a man watching his own son die? It is, there is a sound that comes out of a man watching his own son die. That is blood curdling. It's painful to hear. So you have a huge, huge leap to get me to believe this guy actually did it based on what I'm reading right now. I'm sure like uh, Ricardo or one of these other law tubers are going to, you know, be able to tell me exactly what I'm wrong about and all that stuff. I'm not saying I know everything. I'm just saying I start reading this story and outright I'm like, you got a family involved in a bunch of crimes. There's a ton. There's tons of reasons why people would want revenge against them. They killed a young, you know, he's, he's implicated in the death of a young woman with a boating accident, embezzlement, stealing money, defrauding clients. And you mean to tell me that this man killed his own son? For what reason? That, that to me is crazy. But ultimately, I'm just like, can we get a movie about this? Cops claim Murdoch said I did him so bad. In his second interview with cops on June 10th, 2021, three days after the killings, Murdaugh was asked about the traumatic picture he encountered on Finding Maggie and Paul. Jurors on Monday were played the audio in which Murdaugh can be heard saying, it's just so bad, I did him so bad. Prosecutor Waters paused the video to ask Special Agent Jeff Croft to clarify what Murdaugh said. Croft repeated, it's just so bad, I did him so bad. But Murdaugh shook his head defiantly in court as he reacted to his interpretation of the audio and said, I did not say that. However, his legal team did not object and the recording continued to play. Detectives at the time did not seize on the alleged admission as Murdoch continued to tell him of Paul. He was such a good boy too. Look, man, saying I did it, did him so bad, that doesn't mean you killed somebody. He could be crying because after dinner, he told his son he was a, you know, a little jag off. He's like, you're amounting to nothing. You know that? You're and that's why he's saying it. Like he could be crying because the last thing he said to his son was, you're a stupid, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're failing. It could be something as simple as that. You know, we hear these stories, man, and they're often brutal. 
where somebody will say something to a loved one. They'll yell at their parent or their friend and they'll be like, you know what? Screw you. And they storm off. And then some the person gets in a car accident and they're like, I can't believe the last thing I ever said to this person I truly cared about and loved was something awful. Is that possible? Yo, I always err on the side of doubt. So if you're coming to me saying we should lock a guy up, I'm going to be like, you better prove to me and you need some strong evidence that a man was willing to kill his son and your motive argument is he wanted sympathy from other people. Okay, look, the guy's a criminal, allegedly, like the crime family, it's sounding like. But even then, there's there's like, you know, people might be selfish. People might want to steal things for their family. But you got a long way to go to convince me that a person murders their family for financial gain. Like a long way to go. And I, and I get it. That people do, right? You, you, you might have somebody who like, you know, kills a, a sibling because they want an inheritance, something like that I get. But a parent killing their child? Ooh, that's tough for me. That's tough for me. Murdoch tells cops about the boat accident. He told 911 about Paul's boat accident, claiming that his son had been threatened for months. I, yo, that makes a lot of sense. The first cop to arrive said Murdoch immediately started telling him about the February 2019 accident that left 19-year-old Mallory Beach dead. I know that's what this is, he said. But what, what, why not? I mean, I don't know. Look, I get it. I get it. I don't know a lot about this case. I just, I started reading this and I'm like, ooh, I want to talk about it. But why not? Why wouldn't it be a 19-year-old woman dies in a boating accident because this dude's drunk and then someone who is family with that says this family gets away with crimes. They went easy on this kid. Well, I'm not. That makes more sense to me. Sorry. The prosecution could come out and be like, this guy wanted sympathy because he's a criminal. And I'm like, uh-huh. Like he killed his son? That, that's hard for me to believe. Then you're like, it's also possible that somebody wanted revenge because the son killed a young woman. Okay, that makes sense. A dad, his daughter dies. The kid gets a lenient sentence or gets a light treatment. And now he's pissed and he wants retribution. And so he does this. That makes infinitely more sense to me than this dude went out and decided, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill my kid, you know, whatever. I, I just, and my wife, no visible blood on Murdoch, but t-shirt reveals traces. Murdoch had no visible blood on his white shirt. First responders have told the court. Police described seeing pools of blood under the bodies of Maggie and Paul. His defense attorney described to jurors how Paul's had literally exploded like a watermelon. Murdoch earlier told 911 he had checked his wife and son's pulses, but when cops arrived, they saw no blood on him. That makes sense. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. What am I getting wrong? Are you going to like walk up to somebody who's drenched in uh, blood after being shot and then walk over and just start grabbing their whole body? Or, or are you going to carefully try and not touch blood? Or, or maybe even not try to tamper with things. But I, I do got to be honest, if his, if his kid's head blew up, I don't know whose pulse he's checking. I'm not trying to be a dick or anything or be callous, but, you know, seriously. The defense argued that Murdoch was distraught after the killings and had just before been having a bonding experience with his son as captured in a Snapchat video taken by Paul with his father. So then maybe I don't know why he said he did him dirty. Maybe he was thinking about not taking care of him or, you know, I don't know. Police described seeing pools of blood. Murdoch told, he checked his pulses, there was no blood on him. Jurors heard Friday from Detective Laura Rutland, who said Murdoch was clean from head to toe. Rutland added that it looks like Murdoch had changed following the murders, noting that she found it odd the defendant was sweating, but his clothes were dry. I, that, that, that doesn't, I, 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 look, you're not convincing me. That doesn't convince me. A guy goes to visit his mom after dinner, 
So he puts on a clean shirt and jeans. He goes and visits her. He comes home. He walks out. He sees bodies, start panicking. He calls 911. Now he's sweating and his clothes are dry. They're not yet drenched. He just started sweating. That's not convincing to me. I mean, maybe if it piles up with a bunch of other things. Forensic expert Melinda Worley said Murdo's white t-shirt and khaki shorts reacted positive to, to a test for blood. However, she admitted the test can also be triggered by bleach and rust. And, and is it possible he got blood on him? Like when he was, okay, he's checking the bodies and you're like, but there was no visible blood on him, but there was blood. Okay. What's the argument they're making? This is a crazy story. Defense suggests two shooters killed Maggie and Paul. Harputlian claimed on Monday that one reasonable explanation for the distance between the shots that killed Paul and Maggie was that there were two shooters. There are two people there. There are two guns there. One's a shotgun, one's an AR. Harputlian suggested that Paul could have been shot by one perpetrator, while another who was acting as the lookout was surprised by Maggie. Worley then looked bemused, saying, I wasn't there before agreeing with Harputlian that the theory could be one explanation, not the explanation. Footprints and tire tracks not preserved. Murdoch's cell phone data. Murdoch Savzi tells detective his wife Maggie was a wonderful girl. Ammunition found at Murdoch property matches that used to kill Maggie and Paul. Yeah, but come on. They say it was an AR-15 style rifle and two 12-gauge shotguns. But what is it? The ammunition contained in the rifle, Cellier and Bellet, Bellow, 300 Blackout, was the same type used to kill Maggie, Croft, uh, uh, Croft told jurors. The agent also described finding 12-gauge ammo boxes at the home. Among them, F- Federal and Winchester, the same brands as the two shells found near Paul's body. It's extremely common. The defense objected to the evidence, arguing that, that showing the series of weaponry to jurors was prejudicial to their client. There's no evidence linking these guns to the crime. Prosecutor Crichton Waters argued that they were showing how the search for weapons was conducted and how the weapons were tested thoroughly. Judge Clifton Newman sided with the state and overruled the objections. Gun residue on seatbelt of Murdoch's car. In his opening, Waters said gunshot residue was found in the seatbelt of Murdoch's car, as well as on a raincoat discovered in his mother's home. On a hunting property? With guns? I'm not surprised by any of this. They say, however, Murdoch was in possession of a shotgun when police arrived, which he said he had grabbed from the house because he feared the killers were still out there. In earlier court filings, the defense argued the amount of residue found was inconsistent with the prosecution theory that Paul was shot at close range. The defense say the prosecution relies solely on circumstantial evidence. So look, I'm not going to I'm not going to rant on this. I just I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, I'm getting fascinated by it. So I don't know. Interesting story. Uh, I suppose if you're interested in more, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much I'll cover this, but it, it really did sound like like a skull and bones upscale old money family embroiled in a conspiracy revenge plot. Anyway, let me know what you think. I don't know. I don't even know if anybody wants to really hear a segment talking about this, but I just started reading it and I'm like, oh, this is this is crazy. So uh, whatever, I'll leave it there. Uh, we'll get back to it. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. And I got to be honest, like Taiwan's gearing up for an invasion. Joe Biden's house is getting raided. There is a lot of big news, but uh, I just felt like doing something different. So I'll see y'all at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out. One of my favorite things about... The current year is how climate change is killing everybody because it's causing a whole bunch of like, I don't know, ailments, respiratory problems. And now we have this new story, deadly fungal infection, valley fever that kills one in 100 sufferers is spreading across the U.S. because of climate change as it hit as hit zombie show The Last of Us heightens fungi fears. Oh, really? 
A deadly fungal infection is spreading across the U.S. and scientists believe it is due to climate change. Cases of valley fever, which is 10 times more deadly than the flu, have risen 20-fold since the turn of the century. It is caused by the fungus, what is this, coccidioides? How do you say that? Coccidioides? S? Coccidioides? Is that, wait a minute, uh, is that the chicken disease? I don't know, it's probably something, (laughs) maybe it is, Uh, which releases spores into the air when soil is disturbed, which is breathed by... uh, breathed in by people, usually construction workers tending to the ground. The fungus thrives in warm, dry environments and was dubbed valley fever because 97% of cases are found in Arizona and California. That's a coccidiosis. I think that's a different one. But infections have begun to crop up in other parts of the country, and experts fear that by 2100, it could be in 17 states. Its Its increase comes amid heightened fears about fungal outbreaks following the hit apocalyptic HBO show, The Last of Us, which depicts a fungus that turns victims into zombies. Yeah, that one is uh, cordyceps. Cordyceps. Have you guys been watching The Last of Us? That's basically, I'm like, I saw this story and I'm like, oh, climate change again. Climate change is, is, is killing more people. Oh, okay. So it says valley fever fungus grows in soil, but it's too small to see. The spores are whipped up into the air. People inhale the spores from dust. The infection kills one in 100 cases, can get into the bloodstream and spread to vital organs. Oof, that's creepy. And look at this, Southern California, you're in trouble. 2007, it was very much in the South, but it's spread northward. And, And weirdly, it's going up into these more blue areas, I guess. I don't know. Interesting choices up the Pacific Northwest. It is what it is. There are a lot of things they say are being caused by climate change, which leave me kind of uh, skeptical. But it is, I, I think the reason they're covering this story more so is because of the show, The Last of Us. Have you guys watched it? Everybody knows the video game. I'm sure most of you who are watching probably know the video game. Uh, I never played it. I know the general story. I think it's cool. Uh, I've been watching the show. I think the show is cool. And it's basically, uh, it, it's, it's basically this story. That's what it is. So The Last of Us starts with... Uh, like two guys are talking, they're experts about a pandemic. And one guy's like, fungus is what we should be afraid of. And then he says, you know, let's take cordyceps, for instance. It, it takes over the brain, the body of the ant, and makes it then go and infect other ants. And it's creepy. It really is scary, creepy stuff. And then the guy's like, cordyceps can't survive in a human. The temperature is like, but it could mutate. So I guess now the argument is they're running this story and they're like valley fever because if the planet gets warmer, the fungus can spread into other areas. So I guess the idea is in, in The Last of Us, cordyceps mutates to be able to infect humans. And it's it, it, look, it's like a 10 year old game. So I'm not spoiling anything for you. If, if you if you don't know the story, then like, I don't know to tell you, man, I know I know the show is new. But like the game is very old and there's a sequel and everything. So I'm going to say some things. But uh, the big the big thing outside of this with the show the other day was that uh, they did this big episode about a gay couple and everybody's talking about it, saying it's the best episode of television. And I'm just like, nah, is good. Uh, Did you guys you guys watch it? Uh, We'll talk about that. And I'm going to use this as an excuse to talk about The Last of Us. It was good. So basically, the, the fungus turns everybody into zombies, you know, zombie monsters with like weird things coming out of their mouths. It's creepy and it's gross and their faces turn into fungus and it's just really gross. And then the military starts rounding people up for the quarantine zones. And one dude who's a prepper, he's got like a secret bunker 
And it, 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 I actually loved this part. He's like sitting in his bunker and the cops are like searching the house. And then they're like, we're in the basement. There's nobody here because he's in a secret sub basement that's like hidden under a, under a trunk. And he's got like guns and everything. He's got don't Gadsden flag and all that. And then he comes out and he's, he has the whole town to himself. And it's like 10 miles west of Boston. I love that part. But then the movie basically just, I'm sorry, the movie, the show is actually good. It was really good. Uh, I would say if you're going to do a TV show about uh, two gay men in a relationship and their love for each other, this is the way to do it. But I just it didn't. It, I'm sorry, man. Doesn't work for me. Just doesn't. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, and I'll explain. So basically, everybody's talking about how, one, the, the show is an ode to um, medical assistance in dying. Spoiler alerts. Heads up, as I mentioned. These two, this, so this prepper guy has this compound he builds. He goes and turns the power on. He gets fuel. He has electricity. He has warm running water. And, everybody, and everything else has collapsed. So people are dirty and living in the wild. And then one day, he ch- his alarm goes off and he sees his tr- a pit trap was triggered and he captures a guy. He tells the guy to leave. The guy says, please, I'm hungry. They come in and then they're hanging out and they have dinner. And then it's been three years since this prepper dude has seen anybody. And then the other guy kisses, like they play the piano and then he kisses him. And then it's like, then it, it shows gay sex or whatever. And I'm just like, look, they did that movie, Bros. And, uh, and it was like a gay rom-com and it flopped miserably because I don't think like, the, it's just like, who is this relating to? And this is the issue with this show. Liberals are going off being like, best show ever. And I'm like, you think it's the best show because it's a virtue signal. But I found nothing relatable in it because I don't like guys. That's just me. I'm not saying no one else can enjoy it. By all means, if you liked it, you liked it. I thought it was a good show. This this idea, though, they're saying like these two guys, they're in love and they live together. And then at, when the end comes, they like both drink poison or something. And it's so romantic. And I'm like, I just don't see it. I do not. There is no emotion elicited within me because uh, what relates to me is traditional male female relationship. I'm not saying you're not allowed to have your relationships. By all means, young Turks, make another fake video lying about my opinions because you're creepy weirdos. What I'm saying is me as a person, based on my views, I don't I don't see it. And I think most of these liberals who are watching the show are just saying it's good because it panders to their gender ideology. But as an honest human being, watching a man and another man fight because they're in love with each other means nothing to me. I, like if if they did it like it was the guy's brother and the guy's brother was dying and he's crying, that would be more relatable, relatable to me. But not like it's basically this dude. He's straight, by the way, because he's like, I've only ever been with a woman before. And then he's talking about this guy. And I'm like, at the very least, if you're going to do it this way, I get it. Three years of solitary. You don't see anybody. You're in this fenced off post-apocalyptic nightmare and you finally see a human being who's not a zombie. And then all of a sudden you're like human touch. I Okay, I, I can get that, I guess. Wouldn't work for me, I suppose, but whatever. That's what the show's about. And then like it shows the hardships they go through. And the thing is, this character, it's not really in the game. It's not in the original story. They made this thing up and they made this like romantic suicide scenario that is completely unre- un- unrelated to the game. They just added to it. But uh, I don't know how I went from like the zombie fungus going to kill us. And now I'm just talking about The Last of Us. But I've been watching it. So I had to talk about it, man. I had to talk about it. Look, if in the one thing that really did 
help me understand. And I think they did a good job with this. The two guys, they're old, they're dying. They drink poison, they die. Then Joel, the main character with Ellie, who is this 14 year old teenager he's trying to bring across the country or something like that. They go in and no one's there. Joel was friends with this guy. He knew the code to the compound to get past the booby traps and the security and stuff. And he comes in and it's sad. This is really sad. Joel comes in looking for his friends and no one's answering and no one's around. Ellie finds a letter and reads it. And it's funny. It says on the letter to whoever, but probably Joel, because that was the one guy. And he's like, I never liked you, but I respected you. It's funny. Please don't open the bedroom door. And then he says, like, I leave you all my stuff. And he says something that uh, I did understand and relate to. So going through this whole show where it's like trying to get me to feel for these two men who are in love. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't feel anything. I got no emotion elicited. It's cool. Like preppers and booby traps and raiders and stuff. But then in the end, this one helped me understand. I got it. He's reading the letter or or Ellie is. He's like, read it. And he's like, I used to think that, you know, nothing mattered or whatever. And then I found that, you know, that I hated everybody and I hated people. And then I met one person that was worth protecting. And it was this other guys, Bill and Frank, and Bill wanted to protect Frank, and they were in love. He said there was someone worth protecting, and that's why you know, all this mattered. And he said that the guy was his purpose. And then, very sadly, he says, Ellie's reading it, and it says, "Use I leave to you my guns, my equipment, you know, my truck, all that stuff. Use it to protect." And then Ellie stops reading, and then she gives it to Joel. In the previous episode, Tess, who is Joel's, I guess, like significant other gets bitten and then sacrifices herself to try and save them. And so it's like this dude says, I'm leaving you everything so you can protect this person that you love, but she's already dead. It's a good show. It's a good show. But uh, I guess with The Last of Us being in the news in this capacity, I just thought it was interesting that um, it was good, the prepper element, but trying to just make this this uh, uh, gay relationship, it just didn't. It, it, it doesn't do anything for me, you know? If they did a show and it was a woman who was a prepper and let's say Bill was, was, a, was a woman and then she's like this crazy prepper lady, maybe like a veteran or something. And then one day there's a guy she traps and he's like, please, I'm starving. And she brings him in and then they end up together. And then in the end, they both die together. I would have felt it. I would. But I suppose... That's what they're trying to overcome with this. The reason why they say in the letter, use this to protect Tess, is so that you, who have heterosexual romantic emotions, can understand that feeling and equate it to them, I guess. But in the end, I just tell you this I think the show would have been like top 10 shows of all time. It was really good if they just. And I'm trying, I mean, no dig to people who are in gay relationships. I don't care what you do. I'm just saying if 98% of people would uh, men and women would more understand that dynamic. I think the episode probably would have been substantially like bigger and more impactful. And you probably lose, for one, you lose any conservative who doesn't agree with homosexual relationships. And you, you, will, you will get a lot of virtue signalers, but I think the virtue signalers, signalers are less. I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it. I am not saying it was bad. Okay, Young Turks, go make another fake video about my opinions. They do that all the time, by the way. I'm just saying it was a good show. And uh, bravo to the Daily Mail and finding a way to write a story that uh, gets people excited, I guess, whatever, because they've been watching The Last of Us. So sure, whatever. I don't know. 
Probably should have just done a segment about that episode and not the fungus, but whatever. There we are. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. So apparently a bunch of people got mad at Mr. Beast because he was making content about curing blind people and that he was going to make a bunch of money off it. It was exploitative. And I'm just sitting here being like, these people are sour grapes. Or maybe not sour grapes, but something like that. They're jealous and angry. So Mr. Beast is now defending himself after a video in in which he said he was curing a thousand blind people, divided viewers. Apparently he was called a demon. He was demonic for doing it. And uh, no, no, uh, uh, Mr. Beast is a good dude. He's done good things and he's built a machine that does good and mad props to him for what he does. And now he is saying in response to this, he is going to be giving all of his money away. That's that's his plan. The YouTuber whose real name is Jimmy Donaldson uploaded a video on January 28th. So far, 59 million views in three days. In this video, we're curing 1000 people's blindness. He could be heard saying Donaldson said he was arranging for people to get his site restoring cataract surgery and film the patient's reactions to seeing clearly again. The YouTuber interviewed Jeff Levinson, an ophthalmologist and surgeon he worked with, who said half of the blindness in the world is people who need a 10 minute surgery. And someone has to know how to do it. And somebody has to have uh, the, the, the money to do it. A subsequent in- Instagram post from a nonprofit organization, C International, who Donaldson collaborated with, stated that the organization conducted the 1,000 surgeries around the world over a three-week period for the video, according to the nonprofit My Vision. Donaldson gave away various prizes to participants, including briefcases, which he said contained $10,000 each, a Tesla and a $50,000 check for one recipient to put towards a college fund. Apparently, one guy was like, I've always wanted to drive a Tesla, but I'm blind. So he's like, here's a car. I don't know how he pays taxes on this. Anyway, the video initially received an overwhelmingly positive and emotional response. On January 30th, Donaldson tweeted that he did not expect the upload to receive such a large number of views in short time, receiving messages of support and praised for its generosity. I don't think you can watch that video without crying. Hope it inspires more projects like this. But apparently a bunch of people are angry. Everyone's dragging Hassan Piker. And I defended him over this because I agree with him. He wasn't ragging on Jimmy Donaldson. He was ragging on a system in which you have people who require a 10 minute procedure to get their vision back and they can't. And while I don't agree with the complete universal healthcare argument, I'm more in the middle, like maybe universal basic coverage could cover something like this if it's a 10 minute procedure. You know, I'm down for that. But I'm just saying if we're spending all this money on foreign war and all that stuff, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't, uh, do that and we can do this instead. But here's the point I want to get to and why I did another stream. Uh, I'm sorry, another sh- stream, another uh, video talking about this is because I saw this video. The Daily Mail reported this in 2018. Actually, let, 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 me, let me pull this up right here. Oh, that's the wrong one. Where's I don't know. If, I don't know if, that, if I have the tweet pulled up. Basically, you've got this kid, 12 year old kid filming a woman when all of a sudden this dude runs up and tackles this whiny little snot-nosed brat to the ground. He's going, stop, stop. The kid threw a dead snake at a woman onto her car to film her reaction. The husband, seeing this, tackles the kid. And it was the right move. I don't know exactly. And it was the right move because it's self-defense. I mean, don't go attacking 12-year-olds. But if it's a 12-year-old kid throwing snakes at people into their car or on their car or whatever, stop them. For all this guy knows, this kid was going to kill his wife with some ridiculous stunt. And the kid's filming to get a reaction, probably for some dumb viral video. The boy 
Alex Anderson said he had some friends who were riding their bikes in Long Island and another woman in the black SUV recording them. Anderson said he put another boy, pulled their phones out, taking video of the woman. In the clip, Anderson is seen walking around the woman's car, getting video of the vehicle on license plate. I don't believe it. The original story was that the kid threw a snake on the car or something. So Anderson then calls the woman a low life before a man charges at him, shoving the boy to the ground. The man curses and smashes Anderson's cell phone. Wow. As the boy yells for help. The man in the video is identified as William Conti, yada, yada. According to the neighbor who lives across the street, the kids were allegedly trying to throw a dead snake into the woman's car with her two kids. There's video of these kids running around with their bikes, stopping cars, getting in front of cars where they almost basically force you to hit them. These kids are not innocent. They started it. And unfortunately, the father wanted to protect his wife and two small kids. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about when this uh, Mr. Beast making viral videos where he cures the blind and people are mad. OK, online comments grew more critical of Donaldson himself when one user named LOL overruled tweeted screenshots from the YouTuber's video with a caption that read, there is something so demonic about this and I can't even articulate what it is. The tweet went viral. Several comments under the tweet accused Donaldson of paying for the surgeries as a way of gaining online clout and producing popular content, while other users said they thought the YouTuber had good intentions, pointing to the fact, pointing to the fact that Donaldson has previously said he reinvests all his money made from the success of his channel into making more videos and on altruistic projects and giveaways to fans rather than keeping the profits for himself. Donaldson defended his video and many fans spoke of his support. Now, I just that's not I don't think that's true. He's got Mr. Beast Burger. He's got a bunch of companies. He's yeah, he's reinvesting it. Yeah, right. He's reinvesting it in his business. I mean, good for him. He does good things. I ain't ragging on the guy. On January 30th, Donaldson tweeted about online criticism. He said, Twitter, rich people should help others with their money. Me. Okay, I'll use my money to help people. And I promise to give away all my money before I die. Every single penny. Twitter, Mr. Beast bad. It really is dumb. If we if, if we have created a show in Mr. Beast that is like help people and who's mad about that today, we have MILF Manor and they're like hot moms rub down sons. Yeah, OK, go watch that. I'm going to go watch altruistic philanthropist reality TV. Imagine if that was the hit show tonight on Philanthropist Island. Who gets voted off for giving away the least amount of money? I mean, maybe not giving away money is the right thing to do. I'm not sure that Mr. Beast should just be giving away his money because what does that mean? Give it to someone who's bad and they're doing bad with it. So it's hard to know what to do. But imagine if that was our reality show. Seven billionaires, one island. And if you if you don't donate enough or do enough good, they vote you off the island. And then it's like one billionaire being like, I paid for the cataract surgery of 1,000 people. I don't think Jimmy Donaldson's a, mil- a billionaire. The other guy is like, I repaired a whole bunch of school buses in low-income villages so that the kids could get education. I bought them all iPads. So they have access to, and, and, and access to the internet. And then they're like, which do you think did the worst? And it's like, mm, well, I'm not sure that the iPads are going to do it. So, you know, everybody votes. He didn't do enough. It's like, oh, oh, geez. That'd be great. Can we make that TV show like Reverse Shark Tank? Oh, hey, that's a really good idea. Reverse Shark Tank. You come in, sit in front of a bunch of rich people and tell them about 
what's happening in your life. Oh, this would be really great. No, I'm not even kidding. Let's do this. Hey, Mr. Beast, maybe you could. Do, maybe we could do it. Maybe we could do it. We're nowhere near as rich as Mr. Beast. The other day, Ian was like, maybe we could cure a bunch of blind people and spend like a million dollars. I'm like, Ian, we don't have that. <laughs> we don't have that kind of money sitting around. We do well, but we have to pay our employees with that money. I don't have access of like to that degree, but we could do something. Here's what we'll do. A panel of people, and then you submit what your issue is, and then we try to determine which issues um, seem to be the most pressing, and then we invite you in to come before the, well, you wouldn't call them sharks, I guess. The whales. There you go. Whales are nice. And then you say, like, here's my problem. It's like, so what are you asking for? And they'll be like, I need $1,000 to fix my grandmother's eyesight. And then you'll get three guys and they'll be like, we're in. I'll do, I'll do 350. I'll do 350. I'll do 350. And a little bit extra goes to you so that you can get yourself a nice meal afterwards. And then like, yeah, like reverse, reverse Shark Tank. Hey, you heard it here first. Mr. Beast, you should do reverse Shark Tank. People come in. You know what? You know what? You know, here's what we'll do. I think we'll do this. I think I want to do this. I got I to gotta take note. I'm going to write this down right now. I'm recording this. I'm writing this down. I'm writing down reverse Shark Tank right here. Reverse because here's what we'll do. We will set up a uh, uh, like a little thing where we can like sit down somewhere and then we'll tell people, we'll put up a sign, we'll put up a notice like, hey, we're going to be here for doing reverse Shark Tank. We'll do it on a weekend and we'll have people just come in and they got to be honest. Otherwise, it's fraud. You got to tell us the truth. You come in and say, I need, you know, X dollars for this reason. And someone will be like, my dog is four years old. He's my, my best friend. My family loves him. And he's got a surgery for his stomach that if he doesn't get, he'll die. And the surgery costs, you know, $2,300. I am asking the reverse sharks to help my dog. And then they might look around and be like, how old's your dog? You know, what do you do for a living? And if the person's like, I make six figures, but I really wanted to buy a PS5, then we're like, have a nice day. Someone might come in and be like, my daughter needs insulin. And we'll be like, here's $10,000 to be used to buy insulin for your daughter. And then like, we could do a follow-up. I think that's a really great idea. I'm going to do it. Mr. Beast, shout out. You, you've inspired me. Um, I'm going to make reverse Shark Tank. Uh, I wrote it down. Let's, <laughs> who wants to do it? Let's figure out how to make reverse Shark Tank. I'm willing to bet. This is awesome. I bet we could get a rotating panel of well-off individuals, especially in our space, who would totally agree to do reverse Shark Tank. Now, it does mean there would be some sadness. Someone will come in and be like, I need this money for this thing. And we'll be like, I'm sorry. We just don't think that you're deserving of the help. Like someone could be like, I pushed my dog down the stairs and now he's hurt and he needs help. And it's like, well, I feel bad for the dog and I want to help the dog. But, you know, you did this. So I don't, you, you should, the dog should be taken away from you. There may be people who come in and say, look, I need $3 million for a cancer treatment. We just be like, we don't have it. Like, sorry, it's unavailable to us. We can't help you. But we'll figure out something with it. Because obviously we want to help everybody. But I think reverse Shark Tank is a way to do it. Like, instead of investing in a business, we donate to people in need. That's the mission. Anyway, I think what Mr. Beast does is good. And now that I've given away my idea, someone's going to make it. But good, I hope you do. And then we'll do it too. And then we'll have the reverse Shark Tank competition. And we'll put up leaderboards of who helped the most people. Who's on board? Let's get it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all then. I have not forgotten 
about all of you World War III enthusiasts who are wondering, Tim, when's the next big update on the Pacific theater? We got it now. Taiwan invasion alert. Island scrambles fighter jets, puts Navy on standby and activates missile systems in response to 34 Chinese jets and nine warships as NATO warns of dangerous situation. At a time when Russian pundits are saying it's already World War Three, file the fire file, fire the nukes already. We also have escalation in the Pacific, which is, um, man, I hope nothing happens. Here's my hope. All the news dies down. Seriously, Joe Biden resigns. Uh, John B. Honest Man runs for office and everything becomes transparent and the corrupt go away and the economy begins to improve and everybody holds hands in world peace. And then I can go fishing down by the river. Instead, what it's what seems to, to be happening is international conflict is escalating. World War Three may be coming soon. And that means I have to keep working. Well, it is what it is. But here's the story. Beijing yesterday instructed its Air Force and Navy to perform a major operation which saw 20 Chinese aircraft cross the central line of the strait, long seen as the buffer zone between the island nation and mainland China, according to Taiwanese defense officials. It is the latest escalation of tension between the two states and comes after weeks of Chinese military drills close to Taiwanese airspace, leading Taipei and its U.S. allies to be wary of a potential blockade or outright attack. China's alarming military maneuvers came just hours after foreign ministry spokesman Mao Ning declared Beijing does not promise to renounce the use of force in its efforts to reunify. Crazy. Look at this. China has for weeks sent warships, bombers, fighter jets and support aircraft into airspace near Taiwan on a near daily basis, hoping to wear down the island's limited defense resources and undercut support for pro-independence President Tsai Ing-wen. Chinese fighter jets have also confronted military aircraft from the U.S. and allied nations over international airspace in the South China and East China Seas in what Beijing has described as dangerous and threatening maneuvers. You know, China blocked Taiwan, trying to cut off resources. Now, apparently, we're going to be sending more U.S. politicians to the island nation, which is real China, by the way. It's the real government of China that was ousted when the communists took over. Then all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, I guess we'll just work with the communists. That kind of that, that's kind of dumb, but it happens. Revolution happens. And so I think the only reason Taiwan still stands today is, of course, because the U.S. is remaining involved. But it must not be confidence building for the Taiwanese that the U.S. is trying really hard to set up its own silicon chip manufacturing plants in like Arizona and stuff, because that's where they're normally made. And so uh, we're like, you know, uh, we got your back, but we're going to start building a chip plant here, you know just for no reason. And it's basically saying China will seize your land. Or I should say communists will take your land from you. And then they will control Silicon Valley of the West or of the East. I think it's Silicon Valley of the East. It's funny because like Silicon Valley is in the Western United States. And if you keep going West, you hit Taiwan. But technically that's East based on whatever. Yeah, I think war is a real possibility. And it'll be interesting because with the Russian conflict in Ukraine, the Ukraine conflict with Russia, I should say, it's 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 a ground war in Europe. And then like with World War Two, Japan was in the Pacific theater and they were not in the same places. But this war was going on for the United States. We were sending troops to Europe and we were fighting in the Pacific theater. Looks like we're heading towards that again. And it's because psychopathic warmongers don't know when to fold. They keep raising, raising, thinking they're going to win. But nobody wins this 
There is no pot to take, just nuclear annihilation. Russia won't back down. It's a border state. We're defending an island off the coast of of China because it benefits us. But how long can we maintain this? Yeah. Why can't we just like, you know, chill out? Suppose the fear is we don't want a unipolar Chinese communist world. But I don't quite understand it because it certainly seems like Joe Biden is actually working towards it. And maybe that's the thing. He has to maintain some level of resistance. Otherwise, it looks suspicious. But the dude was doing private business deals with his son selling natural gas from Louisiana to China. Why? We need it. You know, it's crazy because right now we're talking about what's going on in California with natural gas prices going through the roof. Meanwhile, we have these old emails from back in the day where they're selling natural gas to China. How about we keep our energy? How about we start creating our own energy and become energy independent here in the United States? Closest we've ever been, I think, is with Donald Trump. He says we got to like 100% or whatever, but it was like 96 or something like that. They go on to mention that Taiwan's independently governed. Yeah, you, you, you know all that. Beijing has accused, has, has accusing Taiwan of using the U.S. and other Western allies to bolster its efforts to maintain independence and insists the U.S. is manipulating Taiwan to contain Chinese influence. I'd imagine, I mean, what else are they doing? Taiwanese support for independence, meanwhile, is overwhelming. According to a December 20, 2022 poll conducted by the National Chengchi University, less than 3% of Taiwanese citizens want to reunify with China immediately, and only 5% think Taiwan should unify at some point in the future. I remember I met some uh, young women when I was in Chicago, and they were, they were Taiwanese. I, but I, I, I could tell that they were Asian, and I said, so, so uh, wh- where are you from? And they were like, Taiwan. I was like, oh, Taiwan. Is that in China? And they were like, no, it's Taiwan. And I was like, oh. Whoops. You always see on those toys and stuff made in Taiwan, made in China. The funny thing is, China is Taiwan. Or I, I mean, Taiwan is China, but like real China. You know what I mean? Like when the communists are taken over, the, the island of Taiwan is where the Republic of China actually stayed and was able to secure themselves and fend off the communist takeover. Creepy stuff. Anyway, look at this. We got a picture of a Chinese Navy J-11 fighter flying close to a U.S. Air Force RC-135 aircraft in international space over the South China Sea, according to the U.S. military in an image taken from December 21st, 2022. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. A string of visits in recent months by foreign politicians to Taiwan, including then-U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi and numerous politicians from the European Union, spurred displays of a military might on both sides. In response to Pelosi's visit in August, China staged war games surrounding the island and fired missiles over it into the Pacific Ocean. China has repeatedly threatened retaliation against countries seeking closer ties with Taiwan. But its attempts at intimidation have sparked a backlash in popular sentiment in Europe, Japan, and and the, uh, the U.S. and other nations. In a memo last month, U.S. Air Force General Mike Minahan instructed his officers to be prepared for a U.S.-China conflict over Taiwan in 2025 as a result of the increasing tensions. Meanwhile, Taiwan's de facto ambassador in Washington, B. Kim Hsiao, Hsiao, can't pronounce it, said there is a new emphasis on preparing military reservists and civilians for the kind of all of society fight that Ukrainians are waging against Russia following the February 24 invasion. Everything we're doing now is to prevent the pain and suffering of the tragedy of Ukraine from being repeated in our scenario in Taiwan. So ultimately, we seek to deter the use of military force 
But in the worst case scenario, we understand that we have to be better prepared. That is to say, expect more of your savings to be devalued. Expect more of an economic crisis and more fuel shortages, because if this lights up, baby, and and Ukraine is in full swing, or if Russia moves into Ukraine and the conflict escalates and then it starts reaching Poland or who knows where, and then Taiwan lights up, World War Three, it's going to get expensive. Your energy costs are going to go through the roof. You got to think about what life was like in World War One and World War Two. You got to read about it so you can understand what's going to happen. I recommend getting out of cities, getting a little homestead or something, get some cows, get some goats, get some chickens. We don't have goats. We don't have cows, but we do have chickens. We talk about, Ian brings this up all the time on IRL, that the reason we made uh, a dry dog and, a dry dog and cat food is because we used to give them meat, but then we started sending the meat to the troops because we needed all the meat we can get. We cannot spare it. We got to get the meat to the people so they can fight because soldiers march on their bellies. A lot of things have been like that. A lot of resources. We used to have, um, what was it? We made silver pennies, I think, because they wanted to use the copper for bullets or something like that. I don't know. I could be getting it wrong. But uh, for weaponry, silver wasn't as effective. So they started making silver coins. And so there's like a certain period during the war where things are made of silver, like silver pennies. It's crazy. And they're just like worth too much, I guess. Something like that. And we also had an office of censorship. So don't be surprised with everything we're seeing. If World War III type conflict does erupt, don't be surprised if you actually get police quarantines. Don't be surprised if you get lockdowns. Don't be surprised if social media gets heavily censored overtly because they're like spies and bots, spies and bots. TikTok will be banned out, right? You know it. If conflict erupts with China, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know, man. I'm not, I, I don't know. 2025 is the date they're giving. Maybe it will be sooner because certainly things like everything's getting so crazy, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Come hang out. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.